You're seated at the right hand of majesty on high. And we are seated with you in heavenly places. Holy Spirit, teach us, cause us to realize that, that our perspective of life would change. That we would see life from that place that we are seated in you. For in that place, at the right hand of the Father, the view of everything changes. And we thank you for that, that you raised us up with Jesus, far above all the principalities, the powers, the might, the dominion, the course of this world, the fads of the day. You loved us so much that you sent Jesus to die, that we might be saved and then raised up and seated together with you. So we praise you and we magnify you. We thank you for that. We glorify you. Jesus, you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We thank you for our place, our position in you. That we no longer have to be reigned over in life, but we reign in life. Through you and in you and by you and for you. So we praise you and we magnify you. Holy Spirit, teach us tonight. Give us utterance to speak as we ought to speak. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to us. That truly we might be equipped to live life on the level that you've called us to live. Far above the fray. Far above the circumstance that may try to bring us down. Teach us. Lead us. Guide us. Show us things we've not yet seen. Speak to our hearts things that we've not yet heard. Reveal to us things. Open up things that have been closed off to us that we truly might see and know that which you have planned and prepared for us. So we might have hope and expectation that we are preparing for something that has been prepared for us. A day, a time, a season, a people that we are called to that we might shine as bright lights and we'll give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise and all the thanksgiving for what will be accomplished in every heart and in every life by your word and your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good evening, church. How are you this evening? Come on, you got to be doing a little better than that. You're saved. How are you this evening? Praise the Lord. Why don't you greet three or four people around you, tell them that you're glad that they're here. Hallelujah. Youth, you can be dismissed. Once again, hallelujah. I uh, just want to make you aware of a couple of things. Tonight's the last night for the um, um, shoeboxes, Operation Christmas Child. Thank you. Remind you, Christmas Eve services 4 and 5.30, Christmas Day, one service, one service all day long. Uh, it's at 10 o'clock, and you can come casual. If you've got some outdoor pajamas, you can wear them. Uh, praise the Lord. I'm not there yet. Lindsay, I'm not there yet. All right. You're here? You're not wearing pajamas, right? 
We're hanging. All right. Praise the Lord. So we had suppers for six, and Lindsay started trying to make a deal uh, for Daniel and I if we would wear pajamas together, and we're not there yet. And so I'm not saying for sure no, but the probability of me wearing pajamas is slim to next to nothing. And so, uh, but you know, anytime you say absolutely not, then God does something. And uh, so I'm leaving space for just God to continue to keep me uh, safe. But uh, we're going to have a good time. Amen. I understand there's a lot going on at Christmas, uh, but uh, it's celebrating the birth of our Savior. So we don't want to just say, well, let's just don't do it that way. We come together uh, as a church body to celebrate Him and what God did in Christ. Man, there was just something so eternal going on. Sometimes we just forget, we take for granted. So we come to celebrate that that day that he was born, it changed everything. Amen. Changed everything. When he came into the earth, man, our salvation, uh, that process began. Amen. When he died on the cross, we entered in, raised from the dead. Uh, we entered into a whole new place of life as we accept him. Uh, we entered into relationship with God. And Jesus came and was born because that relationship was broken and God so desired to have the closeness of relationship that he created for us to have. So when we celebrate Jesus coming, we're just we're celebrating the love of God. Amen. And so it'll be a great time to get together. And, uh, you know, again, if you feel more loved by God in your PJs, you can come. In your PJs, if you feel more God, uh, loved by God fully clothed uh, in regular clothes, then you can come. But... No, as Pastor Tasha says, no Valentine's PJs. <laughs> All right, we better move along. Praise the Lord. If you weren't here this morning or weren't prepared with your local church tithes and offerings, uh, uh, praise the Lord. We're so thankful for your giving. We're praying that it's your best year ever. Uh, your generosity always is just overwhelming. People are being reached, saved. Uh, just in the last two weeks, uh, 20 people have given their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> through different avenues in ministry uh, of New Creation Church. And so their eternity has changed. Yes. Amen. And we trust that their now will continue to grow and change, but the day they made Jesus the Lord of their life, their eternity changed. They're no longer going to be eternally separated from God, but eternally joined with him. And so uh, we all have a part in that and you, your generosity. We thank you for that. Uh, so if you're making that check, make it out of New Creation Church. If you're giving by cash or debit or credit card, raise your hand. The ushers will give you an envelope. And uh, if you're giving by text, the uh, number is up there. If you're watching online, you want to give, uh, you can go to the website and um, praise the Lord. Uh, push the give button and that should lead you in giving. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We ready? Father, we thank you once again. Just all... All, all the time of your goodness. Uh, what an opportunity. He says often as we have opportunity to give, so we take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, your goodness towards us, how you've prospered us. You've, you've put your hand upon us, and we have covenant with you. So everything we have belongs to you, and we just acknowledge that in bringing our tithes and our offerings, that we're in a great covenant with God. We declare and we believe that the windows of heaven are open over our life, that there's more than enough for us to do all that you've called us to do and uh, enjoy the life that you've called us to live. So we thank you. We declare a a a the blessing of the word of God upon each and every one. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and pass those buckets. Open your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5. Spending a little bit of time here, uh, again, uh, 
wish I was a little bit more specific. I'm, we're praying through some things, but um, as we were approaching, we, we uh, are working, you know, we were speaking about the spirit within. We went through what's commonly uh, referred to as the fruit of the spirit in Galatians, that what's, what's God doing in us? He's developing a whole new creation um, uh, that's growing on the inside of us. Love, joy, peace, goodness changes our life. We like the spirit upon or the outward manifestations of the spirit. We believe in those. We'll get to those, I'm sure, even after the first of the year. But uh, really, if we see all that, but something's not changing on the inside, really, what have we accomplished? So if, if it changes on the inside, we're that witness, where we have that transformed life, we begin to see the manifestations of the Spirit that do what? They bring people unto Christ. Well, when they come unto Christ, there's a new creation, and then you live out that newness of life. So it's a, it's a perpetual process of, of developing within, staying built up within, but then manifesting or witnessing the Spirit of God out. Then people come in, and then we grow them within. And so uh, there should be just different things going on, uh, really from a spiritual perspective, God's Spirit all the time. Because the enemy, he's moving all the time. We talked about that this morning. You know, God's planting his word, his seed, so that his thoughts would be known, but so is the enemy. So what thoughts are we receiving? How are we doing that? Uh, what's our determination and our diligence to watch over what gets into our heart? Uh, how do we do that? We watch what comes out of our mouth. Amen. Praise the Lord. Before we go any farther, I have to acknowledge that it is Pastor Shane's birthday today. Praise the Lord. And so uh, you just have to ask Ashley whether he's getting older or he's getting better. But um, <laughs> praise the Lord. Uh, it's his birthday today. Uh, if somebody wants to sing happy birthday, they can. I'm just not going to lead you in that. So. should be your best year ever. Amen. I don't know that they've ever sang to you before on your birthday. Yeah. There you go. The church saying happy birthday. There's just like a, a cloud of blessing ready to launch you into this next year of your life. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So yeah. anyway, we, we've been talking about that and uh, it's in my heart, you know, for a number of years, we started the year January 1st with prayer and we may do that. We may have some times of prayer Monday night, but uh, very much impressed that we should not wait not that you are, you may be praying every day, but you know, in that time, we're like fast and pray for the new year, and it gets to be traditional, but for some reason, this summer, as I was praying, it was like the Spirit of God was saying, if you start praying January 1st, you're going to be behind, and I don't know if we've been behind all this time, I don't think so, you know, we've been endeavoring to follow him, but something about what we're doing right now, what God is doing right now, turning the corner into 2023-24, and something that we've been praying in the morning just, you know, for the spiritual people that say, well, I don't know, the turning of the new year, God doesn't live in time, God doesn't live in time, God lives in eternity, but we live in time, and so God does, does things in time that impact eternity. And if we don't understand that, we'll miss. We'll just let time go by. We'll waste time because we don't realize what's happening in time is affecting eternity. 
And really, in this time, in the concept of eternity, John Bevere talks about this in, in his book, Driven by Eternity, but he, he did all the math. I don't have to do all the math. He said, actually, in eternity, we live like in zero time. But what we do in this zero time has an incredible impact in eternity, which kind of blows the natural mind, but that's the wisdom of God. And so we don't want to be running behind right now. And in fact, you know, when, when, when something happens in the world and catches us all by surprise and we feel like we're trying to catch up to what happened, like may have been happening, you know, a couple years ago, God says, I want you to pray out ahead. And in fact, prayer should be praying out ahead. Mark Brzee says it like this, it should be laying a track, like a railroad track. We should be laying track out ahead. We shouldn't be praying about circumstances that just happened today with all of our fervency. It's like chasing fires. It's like being a, a spiritual fireman just praying to put fires out. But I believe that God really has us praying out things in the future. So when we arrive there, we begin to recognize that place that we're coming to. Because we've been there in prayer. Right? Now I know this, that, that you're like, what? Uh, it, it's, it's real. It's God, God lives in that place where he can see what's going to happen and we can pray out what's going to happen. And we can arrive there having prayed into that circumstance that when we arrive, we're like, wow, this is more than I expected. But all of a sudden you just calm down and pray. And he reminds you, remember you've been praying about this. Remember I led you to pray about this six months ago. And you go, hmm. And then he brings you your remembrance. We already got this. So we walk it out because we prayed it out. So we're not running behind, we're running ahead. Amen? And so in that, many times when we talk about it, we talk about vision, Habakkuk chapter 2, where he said, you know, I set myself on the rampart, I, I, I watched to pray, and I listened to see what God would say to me. Now listen, he said this, he said, uh, I, I listened to hear what God would say to me and how I would answer when I am corrected. So even as we begin to pray about what our future is, sometimes we start praying going, God, here's my agenda. Here's what I'm going to do. I want some vision about this. I want you to show me. And what we need to do is begin to pray and set ourselves to say the best that I know, God, the best that I can see, but I'm ready to hear from you. And I'm going to set myself to say, yes, Lord, if you correct me. Not, no, Lord, listen, I have my agenda. No, Lord, how will I answer when I'm corrected? And so he goes on to say, write the vision, make it plain, so he who reads it may run with it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. And though it tarries, wait for it, because it will come and it will not tarry, right? And so we find that out. We'll pray things, and we'll get that from God, and we're like, when's that going to happen? And then all of a sudden it happens, and we're like, whoa, it happened. And so we have to be careful how we pray and how we commit things to God. Because we can get excited, we can be in prayer, God can show us, and we're like, whoo, there it is. But then when it takes some time, we forget about it. But then all of a sudden it comes, and we're not ready because it was for an appointed time to continue to pray out, to pray through. So when we arrived at it, we're like, all right, we're ready. We're, we're ready to occupy this place rather than, wow. We prayed about it, we saw it, we complained about it, we wondered why it wasn't happening, we wondered why it was taking so long, and now it's here, and instead of being ready, having prayed it through, we're caught off guard. 
And that's just a strategy because we live by faith, right? It's proven out by, you know, the children of Israel. They asked God. They said, God, deliver us. They sent Moses. And God did mighty signs and wonders against uh, Egypt so that they would be set free. Uh, uh, then he brings them out. He goes, they go across the Red Sea. It's awesome. And they're like, whoo, we're going to have a promised land. But then as soon as the wilderness hit, they're like, mm-hmm. What is this? This isn't the promise. This isn't what you promised us. Oh, would to God we were back in Egypt. Would to God we were back in all that. And then they come to the promised land, and they don't even recognize it as a blessing. They get occupied by everything that's in the land, the giants and the walled cities. Why? Because in term, they prayed that they'd be delivered. They got delivered. But in the interim, rather than looking to the promise and trusting God for everything which he provided for them, they complained and they murmured so they didn't recognize the promise. Well, even so, it can be true for us that we begin to pray and we begin to see and we're excited God's doing something, but he's taking us through that place of faith. I believe that God's been taking us through a place of faith. Some people are like, where's all the fire? Where's all the stuff? Well, God has to take us through a place of faith. So now when it's time to step over, we're not caught in complaining and murmuring of how things used to be or should have been. We've been believing God. We have an anticipation. We have a hope. And we're like, woo. And then we say, oh, there's stuff in there. But we all of a sudden readjust and say, but God showed us that. That place, that promise is my bread. I'm going to get up at once and possess the land that was the spirit of faith that was in Joshua and Caleb because they stayed with it Come on. Good word. they didn't start to look back because it wasn't what they expected they believed what God said all along that when they arrived at the promise they recognized it for what it was see the children of Israel looked the spies went out and they came back in and they said surely this is what you said it is it's a land flowing with milk and honey but there's one problem what a great land but there's giants in that land there's walled cities in that land we've seen the sons of Anak those giants and we are but grasshoppers in their sight and so we are in ours listen the promise of God better be bigger than us and if you complain and murmur in, in the time when you're supposed to be building faith and you look at the promise, you're going to be, wow, that looks wonderful, but it just seems too big for me to handle. And they said, we cannot take the land. And what did God say to them? By the words of your own mouth, you will wander in this wilderness for a generation because you said you will not possess the land. You will not. But the two who said, surely, let's take the land. 40 years later, they were 80 years old. But it was just like they were 40. Praise God. If I'm 80, before we possess the promise, I'm going to be like I'm 40. Because bless God, we're going to do what God called us to do. We're going to possess this land. We're going to influence people. We're going to see people saved and born again. Amen. We're not going to settle for anything less than the best. We're going across the Jordan. We're going to slay some giants, and we're going to see the victory. I just know it. Come on, I just know it. And some of you that rise up with that same spirit of faith are going to look and say, come on now, let's do this. Let's don't get caught in the day-to-day. Let's don't get caught in the mundane. Praise the Lord. When uh, Addison was here, he said, uh, saints... Uh, don't look at the mundane how did he say that somebody said that. you know the, the essence was it is we don't look at the mundane as so unimportant 
But we utilize the mundane to get where we're going. We, we know there's going to be day after day, but how do we process the day after day? And so our prayer life is, is incredibly important. And so I want to get started right now as a church, right? And so in December, I think, you know, we'll just see how it goes. I'm believing God. Uh, but we're going to pray on Sunday night. We're going to teach a little bit, then we're going to pray on Sunday night about the future. So I don't know how we're going to do that. Everybody prays a little bit differently. And so um, praise the Lord. So, but we're going we're gonna to figure that out. I just think it's going to be a time where we can pray together. We may pray Sunday night, then Monday uh, night after prayer school, after the teaching, we'll pray. And then we pray on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning, right up till Christmas. And then we'll see after the new year. Uh, I, I still believe we'll be praying in the mornings as we are Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. But uh, so I feel like on Sunday night, again, I, it just seems good to me to talk about these things in our praying because in the past many times we've gone into prayer and saying god here's my vision for the next year uh i see this much and so just bless it would you and could you show me a little bit more of how it's going to go but i believe this year we're supposed to just approach this maybe this is why we're going to start ahead of time is to say instead of here's my ideas god is to say here's my life Here's my life. What do you want to do? Come on. So look at this. Just the word of God. You're like, are you kidding me? No, I'm not. Um, Proverbs chapter 5, or three, starting in verse 5. Proverbs 3, verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Somebody say, all my ways. All my ways. Say it again. All my ways. All my ways. Come on. That means you're getting up in the morning ways and you're going to bed ways. Amplified says that, I think, in Romans chapter 12, to give him all your ways. Give your body a living sacrifice. That means you're waking up and you're going to bed. Time, all your ways. It means give him your marriage ways. Give him your parenting ways. Give him your business ways. Give him your emotional ways, Amen. your thought process ways. All your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. That's a promise right there. If we give him all of our ways, he will direct our paths. How many of you need some direction? Most of us would love direction, right? We have some, but we'd like clarity. Moving into the new year. What is it, God, that you want to do? I want to see it. He says he'll direct your path. Verse 7, then we have this uh, place that we have to look at. Don't be wise in your own eyes. So most of the time, God starts to direct our paths, and we're like, thank you for that direction. I'll take it from here. <laughs> and so don't get stuck on stupid. If it's his direction, you need his wisdom. Yeah. Okay, Do, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Say, whew, I'm glad I don't have no evil. Well, just give all your ways to him and then see. <laughs> and all of a sudden you'll find out, huh, I never did think that was evil. Uh, but it's not God, and it's working something that's not quite good. So if it's not good, it's evil. It's just being subtle. 
to try to destroy my life. All right, praise the Lord. We're making some good headway here. Verse 8, and then it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Man, I'm just telling you. He says, listen, if we give it all to him, come on now, all your ways. Maybe if we start this year, you won't use fasting as your diet. You'll actually give him your dietary ways, and it'll become health to your flesh. Now, I know all of you know that I eat Oreos and M&Ms, so I have to give him my ways. But I, I, they did do a study talking about chocolate, and uh, it, somehow it's good for you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just teaching you what not to do, because it's so easy that, you know. Last year, actually, I had to fast M&Ms. I'm serious. Uh, on January, I'm like, what am I going to fast? I had to fast M&Ms. And they still put a jar of M&M's in my office. <laughs> so I did good for my fasting time, and it really carried out. But this last month, it's been bad. You need to pray for me. It's been bad. And I think they're trying to mess with me because actually that jar went empty. I mean, like it's a big old jar, which means if I'm eating that many M&M's, it's probably not health to my flesh or strength to my bones. So pray for your pastor. Amen. But they'll leave it there because they want to grow me spiritually on how to resist temptation. <laughs> All right, praise the Lord. A merry heart does good like a medicine. So it's strength to your bone. Turn over to Psalms 37. Don't go removing that tomorrow. I haven't started <laughs> fasting yet. <laughs> Psalms 37. Glory to God. I know this is a review, and we'll get to something here in just a moment. But I believe faith comes. How many of you believe faith comes by hearing? Oh, yeah. So if we just go over it one day, we don't return to it. Sometimes it doesn't set in. So we want to we want to keep uh, this thought before us as we pray, because it's so easy to get to praying, and God leads you in a direction. You get excited about that. And then, you know, you're off to running. But we want to say, if he showed me, next time I come back, I'm giving that to you. I'm giving that to you. Because sometimes we get excited, we grab it, we start going. But if we give it back to him, it doesn't look like we thought it looked. He continues to help us process his plan as we pray. So Psalms 37, starting verse 1, it says, Do not fret because of evildoers nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. In other words, don't get all upset because of what's going on in the world right now. And don't envy them because they do stuff and it seems like they got stuff. God's got you. Verse 2, For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Right, so there's a lot of shaking going on, people thinking about maybe I should get up. Just find out what God's doing. Commit your ways to him. Don't just get up and take off somewhere. If he told you that this is your land, then dwell on the land. Feed on his faithfulness. Yeah. There might be people around you who are faithless. It might seem like everything's going on, but if God called you here, he will be faithful. If God promised you something, he'll perform it. If he said it, he'll do it. Yeah. Feed on his faithfulness. God, you said it. I'm feeding on your faithfulness. Amen. All right? So if he starts to guide you in a way you're like, God, this just doesn't make any sense to me, just go ahead and keep it committed to him. Feed on his faithfulness. 
know that he knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. Amen. You ever done that? You've seen, you know, just like God's uh, showing you something and you go, oh, no, that, God, that won't work. No, God, that won't work. I mean, you think you hear it just as clear as you, clear as, you're just praying, oh, God, I want your will. Your will be done, not my own will. And he shows you and you're like, oh, my God, that ain't going to work. Come on, that's why I'm saying we commit our ways to him. I'm just, yeah. is this helping anybody? This is, this is, maybe this is only me. Maybe only, maybe you all are super spiritual. Like when God says that, I say, yes, Lord, yes. I see it. Whoo, let's do that, Lord, I'm in. I look and go, eh, that does not make sense to me. How are we going to do that? And I have to learn to just say, all right, you know what you're doing. I'm not necessarily the one. And you know the beginning from the end. And I don't. And so help me. Right? Help me. You know, God has done some miraculous things. We talk about it. Uh, I shared it in Bible school the other day. I've talked about it. But, you know, uh, when we started uh, uh, the church, it was $22,000 in debt. Just a small church. Uh, we were in debt because there wasn't enough coming in. And so just in prayer, God directed our path in that. And he performed that which he promised. Well, you know, when we built this building... In a similar fashion, we built this building. Man, we put in blood, sweat, and tears. We put in hours. People donated to the building. Uh, we had gotten a loan on the building. <clears throat> Man, I was rejoicing. Actually, I was, I was pretty wore out. I, I got myself sick working day and night and night and day. <clears throat> so uh, got to this place. I was pretty much wore out, but glad we were in it. We were, gonna, we were set up for our, our celebration here and the closing with the bank and having our building. And the bank called and... Uh, uh, the bank said, uh, uh, you ready for closing? I'm like, ready for closing. You got your $16,000 for closing? I said, no, that was supposed to be in the loan. And they said, well, it was in the loan until you spent it. I said, well, why didn't you tell me I was spending it? So all of a sudden, we put in all of our blood, sweat, and tears. I'm sitting there. This is At the time, our offices weren't down there. We built offices in this church. So I was back in my office right there. I hung up the phone. I said, oh, my God. It was like a big dark cloud came over me. Oh, my God, we just built this building. We're going to lose this building. Oh, my God. You know, my mind, my emotions kick in. Oh, there's no way out. I even told God there's no way out. Everybody's given everything. Everybody's done everything they can do. We've all put in everything, God. How are we going to do that? Just started praying. Just started praying. He said, just go out there. Tell the people. Tell them again. Pray and obey. Just seems to be the way God deals with you all. We don't have to rally you up or do anything. Just say, here, here pray. God will touch your heart. You'll listen to God. Man, we just did it. He directed our paths. $16,000. We closed. Praise the Lord. Everything here, every piece of property right now is paid for. Amen. Every building is paid for. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. But it started. But when that all came, my natural mind said, no way. There's no way you can do this. I already know everybody. I know, I know who everybody who put in. I know what people have been giving. I know what the situation is. God, we can't put any more on anybody. And God said, why don't you just let me handle it? Come on. Trust in the Lord. Amen. When you don't know what to do, he does know what to do. Amen. Feed on his faithfulness. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. So I've seen some Christians begging for bread. Well, uh, I said his seed begging for bread. Come on. <laughs> Come on. You got to know. God will never leave us without help and without hope. Amen. 
Verse 4 says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. Now, you know, that praying stuff, it's so hard for me. Come on, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself. Then he gave you access to his presence. The very thing that makes us different than anybody else in any other religion is we, even with our mistakes, have open access to the Father. And even with our faults, we stand at His throne. And between us is the mercy seat and the blood of the Lamb. And it's in that place where you understand God is God and he's the almighty God and what I deserve right now is judgment but thank God between me and my judgment is the blood of Jesus Christ. And the reason that that blood is sprinkled right there is because God has a plan for my life in him. He doesn't have a plan for me to be run over by the world. He doesn't have a plan for me to be sick and dying. He doesn't have a plan for me to be poor and distressed. He has a plan for me to live in him and enjoy his mercy and his grace to strengthen me and for me to be a light in the world. So I could delight in that, not go, why do I have to pray? But to go, man, I get to pray. I get to talk to my creator. I get to talk to God. I have a personal relationship with him. I don't have to wait till I die and go to heaven. Now we start seeing prayer that way. We start doing business with God. So a lot of people have the second part of this. He's going to give me the desires of my heart. We have to have the first part in order to have the second part. So a lot of people just say, God wants to give me the desires of my heart. He wants to put desires in your heart, not give you what you think are the desires of your heart only, because usually the Bible says we're drawn away by our own desires. How does sin come about in our life when we're drawn away by our own desires and enticed? See, there's a lot of people who will just say, well, God made that bad thing happen to you to teach you something. Well, the Bible says God isn't tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone with evil. Well, God did that. God, God allowed me to be tempted in that way. Well, he might, you were drawn away. He didn't stop you because you have a will of your own. Yeah. See, sometimes we, we do gymnastics, mental gymnastics with words. Well, God could have stopped it, but he allowed it. Well, he could have, but he told you what to do. But you still said, I want what I want. He said, how does sin begin? He said, sin is conceived when you're drawn away by your own desires and enticed. And your desires give birth or conceive sin. And when sin is full grown, it brings forth death. So a lot of people are going, God's given me the desires of my heart. But it's pulling you away from God. He says you have to do the first things first. And the first thing is delight yourself in the Lord. Come on, as we're going into this, there's just going to be that place where we delight ourselves in the Lord. And then he starts putting desire in your heart some of you prayers know that you just know man i got to a place i thought this was this and this was that and i started praying and delighting in god worshiping him and all of a sudden he dropped something in my heart that i began to really desire 
that I never would have desired before, and I know God put it there. Desire of heart. Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord and trust also in him, and he'll bring it to pass. And you can continue to read there. So, again, I'm spending a lot of time on this, but as we go, if you haven't already, I mean, some of you, I know that you pray, and I'm not trying to do that, but I want us to focus together and say, listen, the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to trust in him. We're going to commit all of our ways to him. Because there may be a church way that you're like, whoo, God, I'm praising you, but over here, you're always distracted by your family ways. Or here's what I want to do for God in the church, but I'm always distracted by my business ways. And then we get confused, and our time is all taken up, and we don't know how we're going to manage our time. But if you think that God who created the universe and set the stars in the sky, put them all in motion, and causes the earth to spin and you not fly off of it, cannot figure out how to manage your schedule... (laughs) Your God's... A little bit smaller than the God we serve. But see, when we get our schedule out of whack and we can't do things that, uh, that God puts in our heart, it's because we haven't committed all of our ways to him. We've committed certain ways to him, and then we're going to manage the other ones, but we can't manage them in the light of what he is calling us to do. So we commit all of our ways to him. Amen. Praise the Lord. So turn over to Matthew once again, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus instructs uh, his disciples. He he does the same thing in in Luke uh, chapter 11, verse 1. But he tells us that we should, when we pray about certain things, we can have corporate prayer, pray about things in the church corporately. But as you're praying concerning your future, concerning your upcoming year as you're putting it before him he says go into your closet and pray and he who is in the secret place sees what's in secret rewards you openly in other words that secret place of psalms 91 he who dwells in the secret place of the most high god shall abide under the shadow of the almighty he will say of the lord he is my refuge my fortress my god in him will i trust the psalmist just goes on and on why can he go on because he dwells in the secret place he knows he's under the shadow of his wings and so to understand this and to become familiar with our place of prayer that we don't leave that place of prayer and go out from the shadow but we have that place in our prayer closet but then when we go out from the secret place out into open we're still under the shadow the shadow of his wings in other words what we were covered with under prayer we still go out under the shadow of it and under the shadow of that there's protection and there's safety and there's direction and there's healing and though the enemy comes in one way he flees seven and no sickness or plague comes near your dwelling place And the angels bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. The secret place is a powerful place. It's where we get intimate with God, where we find the heart of God, where we find the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Secret place. I just think that prayer stuff. Come on now. It's a secret place. Finding the heart of God. Just you and him. Man, when you find the heart of God, stuff opens up. God's a big, big God. He measures the universe in the span of his hand. 
you know, I just find prayer boring. Now, listen, let's just think about this for a moment. We might have to close after this. I don't know. I mean, for you men, if you like basketball, if I said, Michael Jordan's going to be here. Now, whenever I do this, somebody comes the next Sunday because they quit listening. He, Michael Jordan's not coming next Sunday. Just preface it. <laughs> I remember one time we had like about three people come into Sunday night service when God told us to have Sunday night service. And I mentioned this minister, this popular minister. I said, well, if he was here next Sunday night, a lot of people would show up. Next Sunday, a lot of people showed up, and they're like, I thought he was coming. I said, well, I said, if he came, and I proved it out. You're here. <laughs> anyway, uh, I don't know why I'm rambling a little bit today, but anyway. Uh, uh, so if Michael Jordan was here, you're a basketball fan, I said, Michael Jordan is here uh, to just share about his basketball legacy and bring your sons because he's going to show them some skills on basketball. Man, you would all be getting your neighbors and youth and everybody because Michael Jordan's here. How exciting would that be? They wouldn't come and go, Michael Jordan, that would be so boring. Why? Because Michael Jordan does extraordinary things and has done extraordinary things. God measures the universe in the span of his hands. He created the heavens and the earth and everything that in them is. He sent Jesus to the earth, died with our sin upon him. He was buried. God raised him from the dead. Yeah, it's pretty boring to pray. You are meeting with the God of the universe. Come on. How many? Well, you don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> Come on. I already know this. People got problems. Yeah. People are looking everywhere for the solution to their problems. Yeah. And then they're like, it is so boring to pray. Listen, the God who created the universe can take care of your problem. Come on. <laughs> well, I tried praying. It didn't seem to solve anything. Because you tried praying. You tried pulling on God saying, I'm just here for a moment's time. You know I'm busy. But if you could give me an answer to fix my problem. He said, that answer won't fix your problem. Your problem is you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off and you don't know me. But if you would stop for a second and get to know me, I am so big that everything you're dealing with in the light of who I am starts to look small. But you are so captivated with all this bigness that's going on in your life that you've looked at me and thought I was small. But the moment you magnify me and see me for who I am, the stuff that you struggle with will become amazingly small in the light of my glory and the light of my grace. We want to get a mindset and say, man, I'm looking forward to praying this new year in because I'm going to be meeting with the God of the universe and he's going to be reminding me of things he's already said about me. So Matthew chapter 6. That was just the secret place, just a little exhortation. <laughs> Almost forgot where I was. Hallelujah. So Jesus says, therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows. Don't pray in vain repetition. For your Father knows what you have need of before you ask him. I know people are like, well, then why are we going to ask? 
Because you don't know what you have need of. You think you do. And that's the extraordinary part of it. Like, I'm going to go ask him, this is what I need. And he'll say, that's what you think you need. But I know what you really need. But I needed you to ask me so we could well define what you really need. So many people are just going, God, this is what I need. This is what I need. And we run out and go, God must not have heard me because he didn't take care of what I needed. And God said, if you just stayed for a moment, I would have showed you what you really needed. And if you'd have concentrated on what you really needed, it would have taken care of what you thought you needed. Am I confusing anybody yet? Come on, it's just really a much more simple, yet it's difficult because God is spirit, and we're dealing a lot of times just in the flesh. And so even sometimes, I like Brother Hagin said this, he said, sometimes you just have to start in the flesh and then get over in the spirit. So that we can see that. So he says, pray in this manner, which again, we mention this. I have to mention this all the time. It's always amusing to me that Jesus said, don't pray in vain repetition as the heathen do. And then we took what he said and we pray it in vain repetition. Hmm. But I believe he was just giving us a pattern for prayer, which is first of all, our father, which art in heaven, we covered this last week, but he begins with honoring God and he ends with praising God. Which means you have to take some time in your prayer and not just run in and go, God, I got about five minutes here. If you could uh, serve up the order right now, thank you very much, and out. It says you have to come and acknowledge who you're praying to and acknowledge that he's the almighty God, that he knows all that, so that just in your worship of him, your issues can become smaller and not greater. You start praising him, acknowledging him, magnifying him, in your own mind. You don't need to magnify God. He measures the universe in the span of his hands. He's already big. You just don't know it. But as you magnify him, you start to see things in that. Praise the Lord. And that's why we pray. That's why Paul prayed. And we can pray with him. Turn over uh, to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Starting in verse 15, Paul says, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. As we begin to praise him, honor him, hallow his name, There's a place where if you've been praying, and this is a spirit-anointed, spirit-inspired prayer. The Bible says that the scripture is where God, the Holy Spirit, breathed on men and they wrote it down. So this is, Paul is writing down what he prayed because he's inspired by the Spirit of God to say it to us. So we can take this word of God and we can apply it to our life. We can apply it to others. As a pastor, I can do like Paul did and pray for you all, which we do. Pray these prayers for you all, but you can pray for yourself. But again, not just a vain repetitious prayer, but God, grant unto me a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Which if you look at what he's saying there, you break it down in the Greek. He's saying that, that God would give the Holy Spirit in your spirit a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you in that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him it goes back to what we said this morning it will change the spirit of your mind it begins to open up the knowledge of him 
Man, when you start to know God and how big God is and you begin to hallow his name, and you see everything that he's done for you. And you begin to see what he did in Christ Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. When he raised from the dead, he actually led captivity captive. He actually spoiled principalities and powers. He, all, he, he destroyed their power. He led in a triumphant parade in his resurrection. And his victory is our victory. In that place of hallowing his name, he'll raise you up to see yourself in his victory. And now all of a sudden, the things you are about to pray about, because you are feeling defeated, look different. You pray different because you see yourself from a place of victory, not a place of defeat. You see yourself as a victor and not a victim. And that viewpoint changes everything when we pray. If you're praying from a place of defeat, it's a totally different look of prayer than when you're praying from a place of victory. And in Christ, we have victory. So God wants us to pray from a place of victory, not defeat. Pastor, I'm defeated. And I understand that I'm not having compassion, but that's why you want to bow your knee and say, God, give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation. That which I don't see by the Holy Spirit, pull back and show me. Because if I'm feeling defeated, if I feel like I'm under the foot of the enemy instead of him being under my feet, something is not according to your word. So pull back and give me wisdom and revelation. And when he pulls it back and he's not going, poor you, he's saying, look at me. Don't be discouraged. Like, God, I need an answer right now. He's saying, look at me. (laughs) Come on, you ever done that? I had to do that with my grandson the other day. I've never done that with my grandson before, but I did it with my kids. Do you know when you're just trying to talk to them and, and get their attention, they don't want to give you attention. And so you have to say, look at me. Look at me. Why? Because when they look at you, they know this is important. You want to ignore me and do what you're about to do, and it's going to cause a problem for you. So stop right now and look at me, because I'm going to help you not get in trouble. (laughs) I know, we're all, I'm not a baby. I don't need to do that. But you do. We go into prayer and say, God, I want to look at you right now. You made a way for me to come into your presence. I want to see you more clearly. I want to see that. And it's all kinds of different levels wherever we are. I'm still kind of at this infantile level. I know there's ministers who are like, man, I see God. I'm still like, you're a big God. But I know you're way bigger than what I'm seeing. So come on, just show me a little bit more. Just come on, I just want to see more of you. It's awesome. Lynn Mink brought this revelation uh, this one time uh, where he was just saying he was praying and he saw in Revelation how the angels go around the throne. And they've been doing it from eternity past to eternity present. They'll be doing it in eternity future. And they're going around the floor, the throne, and it says that they cry glory glory, glory. And he said, God showed him this. You know, you can just take it for what it's worth, but I think it's just like amazing if you think about it. They're flying around and God's so big 
that they've been doing this from eternity past, but when they go around, all of a sudden they see another facet of God and they go, glory! If they've been doing that from eternity past and they always find a new facet of God that's glorious and splendor, so they are like, cry, glory! How much more can we learn of who he is and what he has? But it just starts with saying, you're God. Please, by the Holy Spirit, pull back some things and give me revelation in the experiential knowledge of you. So I don't get religious. I know the God that I am serving and how big he is. Because our praying from the light of how great he is, I can commit my ways to you when I see how big you are. But if I think me and my problems are bigger than you can handle, I won't commit it to you. I'll think I have to control it because you might not. But when we get to know him, we're like, why don't you take care of this? (laughs) I'll give it to you knowing you're going to give it back to me. But after you take it and you do what you're about to do and you give it back to me with instruction, this thing's going to be totally different. Praise the Lord. Wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Turn over to Colossians chapter 1. Paul again is praying. We want our prayer life to be exciting. How many of you like your prayer life to be exciting? I believe God wants to show us himself more than ever before, and prayer will be exciting. That we get to a place, everybody won't maybe get to this place, don't know, it won't be exact. But I like it, you know, uh, uh, the essence of it. If you, if you read different writers, everybody messes it up by 5, 10, 30 minutes. But they asked Smith, Smith Wigglesworth, who had raised 20-some people from the dead, about his prayer life. And Certainly, when somebody's raising people from the dead, you want to be like, man, you probably go into your prayer closet and pray for days. So they ask him, you know, how long do you pray? He said, well, I generally don't pray much more than 30 minutes. But I don't go 30 minutes without praying. In other words, he got to a place where prayer or communion with God was just a lifestyle. And he raised people from the dead. He said, well, I'm not that interested with raising people from the dead. And that's okay, but you might want to raise your situation from the dead. (laughs) So it might not be, you know, a lifestyle prayer, but it might be just a little bit more than you're doing right now. Amen. Amen. Colossians chapter 1. I think we're going to have to close with this one because otherwise I could just preach all night and not know exactly what we're getting done here. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Paul said, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it. Paul would hear stuff about the church. Isn't that interesting? Every time he's like, and I heard about this. 
And each one of these, he doesn't hear about what trouble they're having. We think, oh my gosh, did you hear about that? We better pray. Paul said, listen, I've heard of your faith and your love. And I'm not going to stop praying for you just because I heard things are going good. I'm just going to keep praying. He said, I don't cease to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Jesus said, pray that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so really, we're not bowing our knee going, oh God, you're great, honoring his name, and then bowing going, if it be your will, Lord, we're praying your will be done. We're starting to declare a thing that would be established, his will. You say, well, we don't know his will. Sure we do. It's right here in his word. We don't know everything about his will, but we know his will. And so there are things that we know are his will that we can pray for. People get saved, pray for souls, lost. Because it's his will that every single person be saved and come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That people are, 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 are sad that they be... Uh, that they learn to rejoice, that if they're brokenhearted, that the Spirit of God would bind up their broken heart, all right? But he says, fill us with the knowledge of your will, with wisdom and spiritual understanding. In other words, grasping the will of God as it pertains to our life is something that is spiritual wisdom and understanding, not carnally discerned. So it's that place where we get into that place praying with him and that revelation starts to come from the spirit by the spirit through our spirit interpreted to our mind so that then we can say aha i get it we try to get it and then embrace it instead of allowing him to cause us to embrace it through relationship and then him cause us to get it. So that we might walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. He said, when we start getting this knowledge of his will and wisdom and spiritual understanding, a spirit of wisdom and revelation, we increase in the knowledge of him. The more we know him, the more we know who we are in him and it's in him that we live in him that we move in him that we have our being which means if we're in him living and moving he must be living and moving and we're living and moving with him and in him not apart from him and so there in, in Ephesians he says that we'd have that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. It's that place where we begin to pray and say, God, give me wisdom and revelation. That spirit of wisdom and revelation. In other words, pull back so that I can see what you're doing and who you are and the wisdom that you have. And then bring that light to my heart so that I can understand. Understanding is putting it together. And all of a sudden, by the Spirit of God, I'm like, aha! That's how that's going to work for me. That's how I apply what you have done in Christ to this situation of my life. 
because now I have put him first. I've asked him for wisdom and revelation, and now he's enlightening my heart and understanding of how his realm connects with my realm starts to come. And now direction for what's coming begins to come alive in my heart. We commit our ways to him. He will establish them. He will direct our paths. How do I do that? We begin in prayer by acknowledging him in all of his greatness, in all of his glory. And then we ask him that the spirit of God would begin to reveal more and more of him, pull it back. That as I see him, I see his very intention for me. I see his heart for me. I see what he did in Christ for me and now I begin to see myself differently which if I see myself differently I see the life that I'm about to walk out differently and now he can start directing my path in the way that I should go we'll just have to pick up here later glory to God God's good Father we thank you we praise you we magnify you and glorify you help us Holy Spirit I do pray, even right now, God, as we go from this place, you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. As we begin to look forward to those things that are to come, as each one begins to pray, you pull that back. You begin to fill them with the knowledge of your will with wisdom, with spiritual understanding that their hearts would be enlightened, their understanding would come, that they would have an expectation like never before of the calling. An expectation of the days ahead to see the bigness of your glory and know that you have a plan for them, that they wouldn't draw back because it's a big plan. But like Joshua and Caleb, we would press in knowing that it's your promise concerning us. I ask you, do it in every heart and do it in every life. Raise us up to the place that you've called us to individually and as a church. To be a lampstand set here on this hill. That people would be drawn to the brightness of the light of this place that as we go from here, we are lights in our family. We are lights in our workplace. We're lights in our world. As we see your intention for our life, we realize who we are and the influence that we're called to have. That the darkness and the lies from the enemy that we cannot have influence, we will stand above seeing and knowing the hope of our calling and we will be bold to walk in it and shine as a bright light not by personality, but by the direction of the Holy Spirit. So I thank you, Lord. You're pulling back the veil. We set ourselves looking forward to pray. We ask you to help us on how we will answer when you speak to us and you correct us. And we might receive correction because you love us. That as we see that, we would step into the very path that you have for us to walk in in the days ahead. 
that we would walk in those paths of righteousness for your name's sake. That Jesus, you'd be glorified and you'd be magnified. Help us to be encouraged, Holy Spirit, to pray. Not just at one appointed time in our day, but to be so comfortable talking to you that we begin to develop a lifestyle of praying, being directed by you, acknowledging you in every way. Thank you for helping us, guiding us, and directing us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand up? Hope you got something out of that. I know we didn't have a point A, a point B, or a point C, or a one, two, or three, but it was more like a barbed wire fence, a point here and a point there. Uh, <laughs> All right, so as we go, what God did in Christ Jesus? Far exceeds. Any damage done to me? By Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great week.